John 16. Like I said earlier, taking a little break from uh, our series in the Psalms. Pete, your mic. God, right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My mother will be very upset when she likes listening to the sermons online. All right. John 16. Uh, this is a sermon that I uh, was supposed to preach uh, for a buddy of mine who's church planning in New England, and, um, and so I was going to bring it to us today. They were doing a series on the Apostles' Creed, and uh, I was given the phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so today, it was providential uh, that we sung a song about the Holy Spirit. I don't think uh, Jamie knew about that or Dave knew about that when we picked out this uh, sermon, but obviously the Lord did. And so we are going to look at... Uh, kind of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as we dive in. So why don't we all stand for the reading of God's Word. Sean, can we turn this down just a tad? Thank you. We're just going to look at a few verses, all right? 12 through uh, 15. 12 through 15. So here now, God's Word to us. Jesus says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat. Now, as a, as a young dad with kids, there are times that I am stumped in how I am to explain certain things to my kids. I'm sure every young parent uh, struggles with that, right? We're trying to communicate with a three, four, five-year-old about things that uh, they might not understand very well. So I go, uh, have to leave for work every morning, and my son always asks, why do you have to go to work? And uh, I say, well, son, I have to go to work, and I explain, you know, like, do you want to eat? Do you want to live in this house? Do you want people to hear about Jesus? Then I have to go to work. But he doesn't really get it a lot of times. He always asks me, why do you have to go to work so much? Um, instead of playing with him all day. There are other times where I have to explain to my child, my son in particular, well, my daughter does this sometimes too, why it's not okay for him as a five-year-old to go to the bathroom in my backyard. <laughs> he doesn't understand it. He says, there's a tree, why can't I use the bathroom? I said, we're not in the middle of the woods, we're in the middle of a city, and therefore you cannot use the bathroom. Well, there are other times where they ask more serious questions. Daddy, why doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? Why does that person worship another God? And there are sometimes very hard questions that we have to try to explain to our parents, or sorry, to our kids. And there are sometimes, uh, as a dad, I kind of give up trying to explain to my kid. I'm like, I, I tap out and I say, what, my wife, it's, it's your turn. Katie, please help me try to explain this to my child. I don't know how to get that point across. But there are times, as a father, that is very hard to communicate. There are times even as a pastor, it's very hard to communicate. Trying to take spiritual truths and help people understand what God is saying to them about things like salvation, things like the Trinity or church membership or what it means to be an elder. 
And sometimes you scratch your head saying, is my point getting across? Are people understanding me or do they just think this is craziness or ludicrous? Well, as Christians, we know that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand spiritual truths from the Bible. We looked at that in 1 Corinthians 2.12 as we prepared for worship. What seems like utter ridiculousness to the world is precious to us. That we would find our life and our meaning through someone dying on the cross in our place? Well, to a person who, who is not a Christian, that doesn't make any sense. But to a person who is a Christian, who has the Holy Spirit, that is their salvation. That is their precious gift. See, the Holy Spirit, who's often referred to as the third person of the Trinity, receives either in the church now and in the church past extremely close attention or hardly any attention at all. There are those who say the Holy Spirit is the only thing that matters and go along the whole um, spiritual gifts kind of realm and make that kind of the thing in the church. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit to the exclusion of everything else. But there are those also on the other end of the spectrum that don't give the Holy Spirit much credence. They may say it in the creed, they may read it in the scriptures, but practically, maybe you could say they don't believe in the Holy Spirit at all or limit his work. Both polar opposites have proved unbiblical and unhelpful for us as Christians. And so for us, I hope that this brief look into the scriptures about the Holy Spirit will help kind of recalibrate us to our understanding of who he is and what his role is in our lives. See, today we're going to understand that one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help God's people understand God's word. Okay, that's one of the big jobs of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He helps us to understand the Bible. So with that in mind, let's turn to John 16 and see what the Holy Spirit has to teach us through God's word today. And if you remember, John six, or John's gospel is kind of the compelling story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We hear clearly from John what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him, follow Jesus. And we're not left guessing what the point of the book is. John 20, verses 30 and 31 says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he sets out to write this gospel, says this is not some you know, old, dusty history book that's on the shelf. No, this is a living story of the one who came into the world and changed everything. These are real lives and real events of people who were changed by Jesus. And they continue to change people today, even 2,000 years later. And towards the end of John's gospel, Jesus is anticipating going to the cross. He knows that's what he must do. And in this section, John 13 through 17, it's kind of Jesus' almost deathbed thoughts. It's his farewell speech to his followers. And to say, these are the really important things that you need to pay attention to as I go. 
And of course, the disciples are all struggling, trying to figure out what is Jesus talking about that he must go to the Father. And that's where we find ourselves in our passage today. Ready or not, it's time for the baton to be passed to the disciples. And Jesus is trying to prepare them for the passing of the baton like in a relay race. See, they've spent every waking moment with Jesus for the last three years. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him uh, heal people. They've seen him make more food out of just a little bit of food. They've seen Jesus do his ministry. And so we can understand the disciples, why they were worried, why they were anxious when Jesus kept saying, I'm going to leave you. I am going to go to the cross. We can understand why they might be confused. But what Jesus tells them in this passage is that there is a helper. There is an advocate. There is one who is going to help you continue on in the things that I have taught you. And that is the Holy Spirit. So we just read a minute ago, verses 12 through 15, um, really uh, through chapter 14 all the way through 16, talks a lot about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we're just looking at one little aspect of how the Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's word. You know, if we took uh, maybe 30 minutes to read through chapters 13 through 17, it's no wonder that the disciples had a hard time understanding what Jesus was saying. It's packed full of beautiful truth that we look at and we study and we're amazed by. But imagine that being said to you in a course of 30 minutes. It's a lot to take in, right? And there's things that they wouldn't understand that the Holy Spirit had to come and help them to understand. But Jesus says there will be a time when the Holy Spirit will come and that you will understand these things and you will have power and strength to follow me even as I am gone through the Holy Spirit. And we see this all throughout the book of Acts. We see the birth of the, the New Testament church. And it's a beautiful thing, seeing the Holy Spirit work and move in all kinds of ways, transforming all kinds of people's lives from all different kinds of backgrounds, ethnicities, everything being changed because of the life of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. So what do these few verses teach us about the person and work of the Holy Spirit? First, we see the action of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Verse 13 says, he will guide you into all truth. We see these two terms here, guide and declare. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us and for his church. He guides us, first of all. This verb kind of carries the idea of one person who helps another traveler in an unknown country or a foreign country kind of navigate their way. Now, I've never been kind of to a foreign country unless you count Canada and the Caribbean, um, but I've had lots of opportunities to interact with people from foreign countries. And uh, those that are not used to American culture, uh, those maybe who speak a different language or who speak minimal, minimal English, and uh, as I've tried to work with people here in the city and help out with ESL, I've tried to put myself in their shoes. What must it feel like to be in a different country, maybe not being able to read street signs or a menu at the restaurant or having a hard time just going to the grocery store and figuring out what's what because the food is very different from where they are from? 
And I've tried to really understand what that, that is like. I have a friend who I've been kind of tutoring who knows almost no English. His name's Julio. And we kind of, com- I was talking with a team about this last night. We communicate uh, through our phone, right? So I type in something on Google Translate and I say, that's what I'm trying to say, right? Because we don't understand each other. And I, although I took many years of Spanish, I still can't use it, which is ironic, right? But what a relief when an English speaker comes alongside of a person from another country and says, you know what? I'm going to help you navigate this foreign land. I'm going to come and I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to help you set you up for success in this new world. What a help it is for that person. The same is true of the Holy Spirit as he guides the Christian in this new but once foreign world called the kingdom of God. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We are in this new kingdom, this new place. When we become Christians, we are a part of God's kingdom. And we need help to navigate this foreign country that was, or that was once foreign to us when we were unbelievers. The Holy Spirit guides us. Verse 14 says, he also declares to us. What does he declare? Jesus says, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so we see that there's no uh, teacher or preacher like the Holy Spirit. We may all have our favorite teachers and our favorite preachers, and that's all good and well, but they are nothing compared to the Holy Spirit. And they are nothing without the Holy Spirit. They are only as good as the word they preach and the Spirit of God that they preach through. I, as one of your pastors, will be clumsy at times, and I will fall, and I will be unclear, but never the Holy Spirit. He will always get his point across. He is the perfect teacher. I've heard a story before, and I've taken it to heart, that uh, when the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, when he would be going up to the pulpit, he would be quietly uh, praying and saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit with every step when he went up to preach. Because he knew that without the Holy Spirit, it would fall on deaf ears. But what is the truth or content that the disciples will better understand with the Holy Spirit's coming? Is it 10 principles to better understand investing your money in the stock market? No, it's God's truth that is in view here. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called, in verse 13, the Spirit of Truth. His job is to guide you and me into all truth, into God's truth. The truth that is further described as being belonging to Jesus. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. D.A. Carson says this, the notion of guidance in all truth has nothing to do with privileged information pertaining to one's choice of vocation or mate, but with understanding God as he has revealed himself with obeying that revelation. Meaning, the Bible. He has given us the Bible to understand. Another commentator says this, that whatever Christ has done, is doing, and will do for the church is the theme of the Holy Spirit's teaching. That's what the Holy Spirit teaches. He uplifts Christ. That's his role. Just like Jesus, when he was on earth, says, I am here to glorify and uplift the Father. The Holy Spirit says, my job is to lift up Jesus. 
and to take what is his and declare it to you and to me. It's very interesting that, uh, as one commentator points out, kind of the immediate application of this is the writing of the New Testament scriptures. He says this, the significance of these words is also commonly short-circuited as though they had immediate application to contemporary Christians, meaning you and me. But in fact, they constituted a specific promise to the apostles which found its fulfillment in their writing of the New Testament scriptures. So what's the first fulfillment of this promise? It's that God gave us the Bible. God gave us the New Testament. As he guided along people like John and, and Luke and others who wrote the New Testament, that you and I may benefit from it. Now, yes, secondarily, it has real significance for us as Christians today that he helps to understand God's word as it is recorded. So because scripture is God's word, the Holy Spirit tethers himself or binds himself to the scriptures. He works through the Bible. And that's important for us as believers. Now you may say this seems rather theoretical, maybe not very practical. Well, let me give you an example of, of how this was very practical for me in my recent life. And we'll go back to the idea of parenting. And a lot of times as parents, uh, we struggle with, especially parents of young kids, we struggle with how to shepherd our kids and their hearts. It feels like they're out of control. It feels like they're just constantly whining and disobeying, fighting and bickering with each other, tooth and nail on everything, and that you just can't catch a break. I feel like all that I'm doing sometimes as a parent is just policing behavior, and I never get to kind of the positive reinforcement of, I love you, let me teach you God's word. And in those times, I have to cry out to the Lord and say, God, would you please help me? I feel like I am always impatient, always unkind to my kids. Am I missing something here? Am I missing something in the way that I parent? And in those moments, the Holy Spirit reminds me of Scripture. The Scripture has a lot to say about parenting, right? About how we should love our kids, how we should invest in our kids, how we should discipline our kids. And so in that moment, what does the Holy Spirit do? He declares and guides. He helps me to apply God's word in those moments with my parenting of my kids. And that's true of any situation that we find ourselves in. You say, I'm not a parent. Okay, well, maybe he does that with the way that you work and the struggles that you have at your job. God has to say a lot of things in the Bible about how you work and what it means to be a working unto the Lord. And in those moments, the Holy Spirit reminds us, he declares to us, and he guides us in the application of those things. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? We'd be in a sad place. A sad place. So the Holy Spirit helps us to understand and apply God's word. And that is true of all the situations that you are facing right now. Whatever it may be, God has a word to speak through you through his Bible, through his word, and to apply it to our lives as believers. So we've seen here that uh, one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to help us to understand God's word. And in fact, it's impossible for us to understand God's word without the Holy Spirit. 
That's why the Holy Spirit is such a gift to us and a gift to the disciples as Jesus was telling them this. You remember back to 1 Corinthians 2.12. And it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The riches of God's grace in his word are ours. But we must have the Holy Spirit to help us to understand and to apply those things. Well, as wonderful and as helpful as the work of the Holy Spirit is, it kind of begs the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? It begs the question, are you a believer? Do you trust in Jesus? Because if we haven't repented of our sins and put our faith in Jesus and in his finished work on the cross that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, then we don't have the Holy Spirit. We read the Bible as nonsense, as foolishness, as ridiculous, as impractical, as irrelevant to our lives, like so many else in the world that don't know Christ. They look at the Bible and say, this is, this is retarded. Why are you building your life around this word? And I want to challenge you today, even as we come to the Lord's Supper, that you would trust in the Lord. That you would stop stiff-arming the Lord and stop rejecting Him. That you would recognize your sin before a holy and a righteous God and realize that you have no hope other than Jesus. There is nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. No one else you can trust in, no one else you can hope in, but Jesus and Jesus alone. But for those of us today who are trusting in the Lord, those of us who are believers, I want to ask us to encourage us, or sorry, I want to encourage us to ask the question, have we been neglecting the work of the Holy Spirit? We sung earlier, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But a lot of times our lives say, Holy Spirit, you're not welcome here. Where are the places that we are stiff arming the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Is it in our parenting? Is it in our work? Is it in our relationships? with other people, dating relationships or just friendships or whatever it may be. A lot of times we just say, God, you can have this part of my life, but don't touch this other part. That's my part. Where are we stiff arming the Holy Spirit? And I want to encourage you guys to, to have even 1 Corinthians 2.12 as a prayer, praying for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life daily. That as you get up in the morning and as you go throughout your day, that you are asking the Holy Spirit to help you to understand God's word and to rightly apply it in your life. Because otherwise that will never happen for you or for me. Ask him to guide you through the difficult application of his, of, uh, his word. A lot of times it's hard to understand how we can be a father or a mother or a sister or a brother, a friend or a boss, an employee a church member, or just a regular follower of Christ, and we need the work of the Holy Spirit. So in our brief time and study in John 16, we pray that for all of us, we would value the work of the Holy Spirit, that we would give the Holy Spirit the right attention that is due to Him. He is a part of the Trinity. Sometimes in our tradition, we forget that. But hopefully, John 16 will remind us of a rightful place of the Holy Spirit his work in
in our lives. Let's pray as we prepare for the table. Father, we thank you for your word. God, your word is a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. God, we'd be lost without your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks and you're not a God who's silent. God, that you have uh, talked to us not only through uh, your word, but also the living word that came and lived among us, Jesus Christ. Prepare us, Lord, as we come to the table. In Jesus' name, amen.